Hi, friends. Welcome to the Femio Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Olaf Yoye Amagwenyi, speaker, writer, and self-love activist passionate about supporting Black women on our self-love journeys. I do this by sharing lessons and observations from my life in a way that is transparent, honest, and sometimes truly comical in the hopes that it encourages you on your path as well. All right, let's get into the episode. friends. Welcome to another episode of the Femio Podcast. I am your host, Femio Lafioye Amagbeni. Today, we are talking about Black is King, bitch. And I can't believe it took me this long to get here. I'm a Beyonce stan. I'm in the beehive, maybe, you know, the outskirts, but I'm still there. Why has it taken me so long to discuss Black is King? My story that I'm going with is that I wanted to wait for it to be the year anniversary. That's what I'm sticking to. So we're going to talk about Black is King because it is almost the one year anniversary since Beyonce blessed us with the brilliance that is that visual album or the visual part to go with that album because that came out in 2019, The Gift. Also, Emmy nominations just came out and Black is King was snubbed because people don't know talent when they see it, especially not from a black woman. So whatever, that's another thing. That's another issue that we can talk about later. But anyway, so Black is King was snubbed for Emmy nominations. And also it's like, do we really need a reason to talk about Beyonce? She could come up at any moment and it's correct because that's the way that she moves, right? So we're gonna talk about Black is King. A couple disclaimers. First of all, they have been doing construction outside of my home. So if y'all hear some background noises, my apologies for the sounds. We're doing the best that we can. Another disclaimer more related to the podcast is that a lot of my information will knowingly and unknowingly be from a podcast that I listen to called Dissect, which is a podcast that discusses pieces of music, in this case, visual pieces of music, if they are there to go along with them, breaks down, you know, the musical composition, breaks down the chord progression, breaks down the lyrics, breaks down the imagery used, all of these things. So Dissect did a little mini series on Black is King, which I listened to and I highly recommend. I will link it in the show notes below. As I'm talking about Black is King, Some of my ideas and stuff I will have gotten from that podcast. I just want to say that because I know, you know, ideas are important, especially to creatives. I'm not trying to say that anything is like my original idea. Pretend that I was on that podcast, but, you know, they muted my part. So I'm giving you like if I had been on the podcast with them talking about Black is King, these are all the things I would have brought up as well. So disclaimers. You might hear some wild ass sounds. I'm going to be talking about Black is King, but I also did listen to that podcast from Dissect. And so a lot of things are going to be mixed in there. So let's talk about Black is King. And what is it if by some miracle you still don't know? So Black is King is the visual album that Beyonce created to go along with her 
regular ass album, <laughs> The Gift, I'm saying regular ass as in like it's music, not as in mediocre because the shit is banging. So she created an album called The Gift in 2019. I believe it came out July of 2019 based on The Lion King, right? So as we all know or should know, Beyonce voiced Nala in the, was that 2019? 2019 live action remake, which we won't talk about because it was very disappointing. But Beyonce did great, always. But Beyonce voiced Nala in that remake. And so she created an album that was inspired by The Lion King, also inspired by her own story, like seeing herself in The Lion King, etc. She used Black and African artists from... Africa, but all around the globe, like she brought in a lot of global sounds. It was very new. And then she created Black is King to go along with it. To be honest with you, when the gift came out originally, I was overwhelmed. Here's the thing I realized about Beyonce is that she overwhelms me a lot. The one concert I went to of hers, which I believe was the formation tour, 45 minutes in, I had to sit down. Because I was like, she's giving me too much. I can't take it all in. I need to take some deep breaths and check out for a minute. And then maybe I can come back and see how much more I can take of what she is giving. Right. And that has been a consistent theme with me relating to Beyonce's work. It's always just I'm so grateful for everything. But girl, I don't know if I could take all of it, like you're just, it's scene after scene, after image, after analysis, after artistic interpretation. It's just all of these things. I'm like, oh my God, how is she packing all of this in? So when the gift came out in 2019, I was still stuck on homecoming. Okay. Cause that's what came out in April of 2019. So I was still there trying to absorb all of that shit. And then I'm scrolling through Instagram and seeing clips from videos and like all of this stuff for the gift. And there's like a special on ABC. And I'm like, I can't, I literally can't watch this right now because she's doing too much. And I need time to take in all of the pieces of what she's doing. So I didn't even check out the gift until Black is King came out. Like I watched Black is King first and then was like, wait a minute, (laughs) this music is fire. So anyway, so I was not on board, but I got there at the time when the visual album came out. I watched it the day it came out with some friends and it was again overwhelming. (laughs) It was again a barrage of imagery, of outfits, of colors, of locations, of dance moves, of again, the lyrics, the meanings, the symbolism, all of it. She used a lot of traditional African imagery. She pulled from like different countries on the continent different artists from around the continent. Like it was just stunning. And I have needed to watch it. I've watched it, I think at this point, four times, maybe five, obviously listened to a podcast on it, read about it, read articles about it, and still am pretty sure I'm missing at least 70% of what she packed in there. Right. So That's what Black is King is. If you don't know, I highly recommend go watching it. It is on Disney Plus. It will change your life. There were a lot of major themes that came out in Black is King. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Are my favorite parts of the thing. What I loved learning from Dissect, that podcast I talked to you about. And just the things that Beyonce brought out. The like topics of discussion that she touched on in this 
massive piece of artwork. I can't believe it was snubbed for an Emmy. Now that I keep thinking about it, oh, girl, white people are crazy. But we knew ever since Lemonade didn't win for album of the year, we knew mm, y'all award shows are trash. Anyway, major themes. So one of the major themes is growing into your destiny slash foregoing ego for duty or vice versa. So when I talk about growing into your destiny, I mean, some of us feel called to a thing, right? This isn't true for everybody. Not everybody knows when they're born what they should be doing, or even when they're a teenager, even in college, when you're supposed to figure it out, right? Like sometimes the journey is the process or the journey is the destination, right? That's a cliche quote that we love. But there are some of us that are like, no, there's a clear vision, for who I want to be, who I will be, who I'm becoming, who I'm working towards. And for those of us who feel called in that way, a lot of times we get frustrated because all of that stuff that we know we will be is not here. It's not happening now, right? I listened to Lizzo on David Letterman's show on Netflix my next guest is or something girl. I don't remember. I don't remember the title, but y'all know his little offshoot talk show that he has on Netflix. Lizzo was on it. And I remember her talking about like living in her car and falling into a deep depression because the life that she's living now, like fabulous, rich on private jets in designer clothing, in diamonds, all of that shit, the life that she's living now She knew she was supposed to be living like she knew she would get there, but she wasn't there yet. And so that distance, that dissonance created a depression for her that she fell into. Right. And I'm the same way where it's like, I want everything now, anything that I envision for my future, any manifestation that I'm pulling in, any law of attraction thing that I'm trying to manifest or bring in. I want it now. And if it's not here now, I'm upset. But sometimes I'm not saying all the time, because I think also the next thing I'm about to say has been used to harm. And I'm not saying this to be harmful. Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the thing that you're waiting for or all of that that you're manifesting has not come yet because you are not yet developed enough to hold it. And again, I say that sometimes, not all the times, because People say that phrase like, oh, you're just not ready yet. When you're ready, it'll come. When you're ready, the right relationship will come. When you're ready, the right job will come. When you're ready, the right blah, blah, blah will come, right? And that can be frustrating when it's like, no, bitch, I'm ready. Like, I know that I'm ready. I know that I know that I know that I'm ready. And it's just not here. Like, that can be true. But I'm saying in other cases, you might not be prepared to hold what it is that you're going to get, that the universe wants to bring you. Things like success, wealth, things like love, like real, real deep love, things like power, like that stuff is heavy. Energetically, it's heavy. Imagine that you're in the gym, you're trying to build up your muscle, whatever, and you're doing bench presses and somebody, this is your first day, somebody comes and gives you 200 pounds to bench press, like you're going to hurt yourself, right? Because you're not developed yet. Your muscles are not ready to hold the weight of what it is that they're trying to give you. So sometimes 
you need, we need, let me talk to myself. We need to grow into our destiny. We need to develop our muscle so that we can hold what it is our destiny has to give us. I think that's a huge theme in The Lion King because first of all, let me just off top tell y'all, The Lion King is my favorite movie. Like hands down, not my favorite Disney classic, not my favorite cartoon. It is my favorite movie period. Okay. So I've watched it back and forth. I know the characters in and out. I know everything. Anyway, I don't know everything, but just go with me. So when we're talking about Simba, that is part of his process is like, he knows he's going to be king. He's ready. Well, he's ready for the fun part, right? He's like going around telling everybody, trying to throw his little weight around, talking about working on his roar, all of this. Like, that's what Just Can't Wait to Be King. That whole song is about him seeing the fun parts of being king, not understanding the weight, the gravity of being king, and wanting to jump straight into that part, right? But what we're seeing as the audience is that this little boy needs to grow into his destiny. He's not ready for it yet, even though he thinks he is, he's not. And another theme that goes along with this too is foregoing ego for duty or vice versa. And when I say vice versa, I'm talking again, kind of how Simba was in Lion King at the beginning, where it was like, he was all ego. That's all Simba was. He was just walking around like, I'm the prince. (laughs) Listen to me. Okay, that's my dad. That's the king. Fuck y'all. I can go where I want to go. Even though my dad told me not to go into the shadowy place, I'm gonna go there because I'm the king or soon to be. I can do whatever I want, right? Like that's all ego. And we watch him not only in The Lion King, the cartoon, but also in Black is King. We watch our Simba character let his ego lead him out of his destiny, right? Like leads him away from his duty because he doesn't understand it yet. But there's also that theme of under when you do get that understanding, you surrender your ego for what it is you know that you need to do. When you get to that place of maturity, that's like, all right, like I know now the mantle that is on me. I know the weight of what it is that I'm carrying and I will surrender my ego, who I think I should be, how I think people should respond to me, all of this. I'm going to surrender all of that for what needs to get done, right? So like we watch Simba kind of walk through that crossover. Another theme that they talk about in Dissect talking about Black is King, is having a choice in who you become. Things happen to us. Life, she can be beautiful, but she also can be unkind sometimes. And so all of us have shit. All of us have some level of trauma, big T or little T. Like we have something that has happened to us and we get to choose how we respond to what it is that life brings us. In Dissect, they had extra interviews with the people that actually worked on Black is King. And I believe one of them mentioned the fact that, you know, Simba has both elements of Scar and Mufasa in him. And that's where the imagery for the gift album comes from. It's two lions circling each other, but they also kind of make the yin yang shape, right? This idea of light and darkness and the balance that comes between them and both light and darkness needing each other. There's a relationship 
between light and dark. So they touch on the fact that Simba has both elements of Scar and Mufasa in him, but he gets to choose who he will be. Like when you talk specifically even about the tragedy that Simba goes through, the trauma of losing his father in front of his face. Like that's what they brought up in Dissect as they're talking about Black is King. You know, this is a big traumatic moment. Simba gets to decide, will I run away from this whole life? Which he does. That's the choice he makes at first. Like, will I run away from my destiny, from my calling? Will I forget who I am, try to live in the moment with my friends Timon and Pumbaa forever? Or will I overcome that? I don't like that I said overcome that because that makes it about like, oh, just pull yourself up from your bootstraps. That's like that kind of energy around. And like losing a parent is not the kind of thing that you overcome. So please excuse that I even said that. We might even cut that out altogether. But Simba gets to choose, like, how will I respond to this tragedy? Who will I become, right? What will I choose to do? And like I said, he makes a choice at the beginning to run away. I'm not saying it's the wrong choice. I'm just saying it's the choice that he made. And that worked for him for a while. And then he chooses to come back with the help of Nala, which we will talk about also later, the role that women have in building up and creating men. Anyway, I'm going to leave that there. Another element in this theme that I loved was the Scar song. In that podcast, I sect, they talk about Scar, the song from the Gift album. And first of all, I just love villain shit. Just another little note about me, okay? I love the backstories of villains. I feel like the Disney villains are always the most interesting parts of the story. My favorite book in the Harry Potter series is The Half-Blood Prince because then we get to learn about Voldemort and where the fuck he came from and why the fuck he's messed up. I want to know what happened to you. How did you get to this place, right, where you're wanting to kill everybody? What is the motive? And so in this song... That's kind of what they discuss. They go more into Scar and what could have made him into this evil character. I love that they did this too in Blackest King and in The Gift because The Lion King doesn't so much do that. Not in the movie itself. We have background about Scar if you go like read. I don't want to call it fan fiction because I think it's legit, but maybe it is fan fiction. I don't know. But you can find out certain things about Scar, like the fact that his name is Taka. His real name is Taka, which means trash. That's the name his parents gave him, right? He was also apparently in the canon a gay lion as well, right? So I think that there's also elements of understanding that he's suffered homophobia. He's also darker skinned than Mufasa. There are things that we can pick up from the movie, But in the movie itself, they don't super go into like Scar's backstory as much. But in Black is King, they made a real effort to get into the mind of Scar and see what could have turned him into this. And one of the lines that I love from that song is, in the jungle ain't no Bible, showtime, showtime, no recital, show no fear, boy, where's your spinal, where's your backbone, where's your pyro? So I love that line, especially Showtime, Showtime, No Recital, because what they talk about in Dissect is the idea of having to always be ready. Like Scar had no 
nowhere to be soft. He had nowhere to land. Like for him growing up, he always had to be, ooh, I'm getting chills even talking about this because this is, it's heavy. Scar always had to be on. He always had to have his defense up, right? And there are so many black boys and black men that grow up and live in an environment like that. Showtime, showtime, no recital. You don't get time to practice shit. Like you're on, it's happening. You need to think fast. It's an unforgiving and it's a hard environment and it hardens these black boys and these black men. And then you get people like Hillary Clinton back in the 90s calling them super predators when it's like white people, at least in the case of the United States, where white supremacy and slavery created the conditions for black poverty, for lack of a better word, in these United States. Then you have people like Hillary Clinton calling them like super predators when it's like, no, y'all created the conditions for these children to grow up in so that they could not be soft. They did not get to learn another way of being. They did not get to process their emotions. They didn't get to cry. They didn't get to learn how to turn inward. It just all had to be fight, 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 because that's how they survived. So I loved that they talked about that in the Scar song, even in the imagery of that part of Black is King. They have dancers who are double jointed. They just twist and turn and contort in any type of way. And in Dissect, they talk about how even that imagery can show the way that Scar's psyche was twisted by what he went through, the way that he contorted into this evil character. It was brilliant. I'm getting chills about it. I have sympathy for Scar, even though I'm like, okay, yeah, you did fuck up. You murdered your brother and then blamed it on your nephew and then tried to steal the throne. It was a lot of bad that Scar did. It was a lot of bad that Scar did. But like, I'm just saying I have I have sympathy. I understand. Like, it's just it's just painful. Like that kind of. I don't believe that evil always comes out of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? When people talk about like absolute evil and this is a this is a whole other conversation that I didn't mean to get into, frankly. But here we are. I wonder about that concept of absolute evil. I feel like there's always something that happened. Maybe not always. I don't know. There are no absolutes, period. But all I'm saying, the song was good. I have sympathy for Scar. They talked about how what happened to Scar, what could have happened to Scar is what happens to a lot of Black boys and men growing up in America in an environment where they are not wanted and they are told that they need to be hard. And so they harden themselves and then are termed super predators and left alone. Another theme is the importance of representation slash seeing yourself accurately in the world around you. It's the theme of identity, knowing who you are. Now, it's very clear, like how that fits into The Lion King, right? That actual story, because Simba is born into this royal family. He's told, you are the king, you're going to be the king, blah, blah, blah. And then Scar comes and fucks up some shit, kills his dad, blames it on him, tells him who he is, tells him that he is a murderer. Simba believes him and runs away until 
Mufasa shows up in the sky, says, you've forgotten who you are, so you've forgotten me. He's like, I remember, I haven't forgotten you, dad, don't leave me. You know the whole thing, and then he comes back. So this is a theme that they brought up in Black is King, too. The importance of representation, the importance of seeing yourself accurately, the importance of knowing who you are. What this made me think of was whenever people say Black history did not begin with slavery. That phrase sticks out to me because the way that the story is told here, the way that we are educated here is that Black people here, and yes, that is how Black people first came to this country. That's how Africans first came to this country. But the way that the story is told here is that that's all that we can amount to, really. When you start the story of African people in this country with slavery, you are ignoring all of the brilliance and beauty and culture that came before that. And you're also ignoring all of the brilliance and beauty and culture that came after that. But it's just interesting to see what happens when your identity is stolen, when your culture, your history, your heritage, your titles, all of that is stolen and then replaced with a narrative from a person, from a people who don't want you, who want to keep you oppressed, who want to control and destroy you. And so then they're telling you who you are based off of their context, right? So if we're breaking it down real simply, it's like Simba was born with his birthright to be king. Scar hated that. Jealous as fuck, didn't want it to happen. Killed Mufasa, blamed it on Simba, told Simba, so in a way, stole something from Simba, and then told Simba who he was, who his identity is. You are a murderer. You are a killer. You should probably go. And the parallels with African people, right? Where African people were brought to this country, their whole histories, families erased, culture erased, languages erased, all of that by the white people that kidnapped them and brought them here. And then white people turned around and told them, after taking all of this from them, this is who you are. You deserve to be subject to me. The way that God has ordained the universe, has ordained nature, is for the black man to be subject to the white man. You are dumber. You are slower. You are prone to laziness. You are less beautiful. You are not desirable. All of these lies that white people told us to replace the truth of who we are. And then you have to think about, too, what happens when you start believing that shit? What happens when you give in to the lie that you are what your oppressor is telling you that you are? What happened to Simba? He started running the streets. He left. He said, well, first of all, he almost died in the desert. Okay. And then Timon and Pimba, Timon and Pimba, I'm dead. Timon and Pumba picked him up and said, okay, well, like, let's at least keep him because he's going to be good body, a good bodyguard for us. Like we should get a lion to keep around. And they, you know, have this whole Hakuna Matata thing. I'm not going to lie to you. Hakuna Matata looked a lot more fun in the cartoon than it looked in Black as King. 
In Black as King, it looked terrifying. Like we see Simba, he's grown now. He's out in the streets. I don't know where he was. And he was in the downtown of somewhere. It's markets around. It's dark. He's riding around in a car. Somebody's driving around. It looks fun, but like it also feels kind of eerie. There are faceless women around, which they talk about and dissect as like when you use sex to numb and it kind of shows Simba using women to numb his own pain, but not caring about who they are or them as humans, right? Which is why they're shown faceless in the car. But, you know, he's with these faceless women. He's riding in the passenger side of his best friend's ride. (laughs) You know what I mean? Scrubbing like all hell. He's drinking. He's, you know, and the whole time you're like, okay, this looks fun, but baby, I don't think this is where you're supposed to be. And then in Black is King, I don't remember exactly the transition, but somehow the car stops. Simba looks at who's driving. I think all of a sudden Scar is in the car driving. And that's something to note that I just put together. Because when you start to believe these lies that the oppressor has told you, they're the ones driving the car. They're the ones in charge of your destiny because you've surrendered it to these lies that they told you. So you're just becoming what they have wanted you to be. You're continuing to be oppressed because that's where they want to keep you. Ooh, girl, a word. Let me write some of this down. I hope y'all writing this down because this shit is good. Simba looks at the driver's side of the car. All of a sudden he sees Scar. He's like, wait, that wasn't who I thought it was. He like backs out, tries to run out of the car. And then there's this like figure that comes and climbs on top of the car. It's like covered. It looks like he's covered in hay or something, but it's terrifying. He just kind of slowly creeps to the car. And the song that's playing at that time, I believe is Jare, which is, as I talk about in Dissect, a warning. Like it's basically Mufasa's voice, like warning Simba, hey, you're in these streets and that's not where you need to be. Remember who you are. This isn't it. So yeah, again, like this all goes back to identity, remembering, believing in who you are, who you're supposed to be, understanding that even as you go through something traumatic, that does not strip you of your birthright. And I know that is a difficult thing for us to remember sometimes, especially when it's like, we feel like we've been called to something. We feel like we have a destiny and it's not happening yet. And every day that it doesn't happen feels traumatic as in Lizzo's case, right? Where she was like, I know that who I'm supposed to be is not living in this car broke as hell away from my private jet. Like that's not where I'm supposed to be. But every day that I remain here, it feels harder for me to believe in who I know that I am. I love that they touched on that in Black is King. That was like a huge part of it is, like I said, remembering who you are, the importance of representation, the importance of seeing yourself reflected correctly. Because otherwise, when you are shown two-dimensional reflections of yourself, and I've said this before, when you're shown two-dimensional reflections of yourself, then you start lowering your expectations for yourself, which is why it's important to remember who you are. Another amazing theme that they brought up or another interesting theme, I don't know the word for it, honestly, it's it's powerful, that they brought up in Black is King and they talked about in Dissect was the idea of like the wrath that befalls societies that systemically harm children. I'm gonna say that one more again. They talked about the wrath that befall societies that systemically harm children. 
So in this part of Black is King, they're bringing in the Moses story along with the Lion King story, kind of lining those things up. And then they also use both of those things to make a commentary on the history of the United States and other countries that have systemically harmed children. But I'm going to focus on the United States because I'm coming for that bitch. So in this part of Black is King, you're seeing the drought, right? So this is, and it took me too long to realize this. The first couple times I watched Black is King, I watched this part and I was like, what is, what is going on? Are, where are we? Where did we go? How, why is there a drought? What is the dust storm that's happening? I'm embarrassed to admit, I'm embarrassed to admit it. I'm going to blame it on the fact that, like I said, Beyonce had too much imagery coming at me the whole time. I wasn't prepared to put together that this was an image of the Pride Lands under Scar's rule. So that's what we're seeing, though. We're seeing back in the Pride Lands, back at home, Simba's out in the streets running them with these faceless women, whatever. But back at home, there is a drought. There is a windstorm. We see Beyonce cradling her baby in like a shack or something, some tiny little house. Then she puts her baby in the basket, sends the baby down the river, is singing this gorgeous, beautifully sad song as we're watching like dust storms whip in, people are trying to find shelter, getting blown away, all of this stuff. And I, again, can't remember who it was, but I encourage you to go listen to Dissect and find out. Somebody that they talked to on Dissect talked about the symbolism of, you know, Beyonce being separated from her child in that image, in that part of the film. And relate it to all throughout history, especially when we're talking about the slave trade, all of the mothers who had their children ripped from them and sold into slavery in states far, far away. You know what I mean? Like down the river, up the river to the East Coast when they were in Texas or whatever, like all of the families that were ripped apart and they brought up and dissect the kind of like I said, at the beginning of the segment, wrath or consequences, if you will, for a state so evil as to break up families that way. And girl, when they said that, I was like, oh, the United States is cursed. Oh, this place is, ooh, because when I tell you, first of all, I've been watching or I was watching, I paused and then never went back to it because it was too much. But Exterminate the Brutes on HBO. If you have not watched it, I highly recommend it. It is a story, not a story, but it's like a retelling of the true history of Western civilization. It is very gritty and heavy and a little bit difficult to get through. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. Uh, But the idea behind that title It comes from a book that was written by somebody in the 18th century, somebody, somebody, somewhere, some white person that talked about how basically in order to create a civilized civilization, a civilized people, area, whatever, you have to exterminate all the brutes. And that has been the rallying call for Western civilization since its inception. They have just been out here, quote unquote, exterminating all the brutes. And they talk in in that show about the steps of genocide, like how have states and cultures committed genocide and what are the steps they go through to do it? And one of the steps is breaking up the family, is separating the family 
separating children from their parents, et cetera. And y'all will remember, you know, that situation that we had recently at the border where the United States government was separating families and putting children in cages, right? Y'all remember that? Not to mention, as I just talked about slavery, where children were separated from their mothers. And then also, even in more recent history, us just starting to find mass graves of indigenous children across the United States. Mass graves, 215 in the last one that I heard about. And then we look at everything that the United States is going through now. I mean, like, if you still think the shit is holding up, I don't know what news you're watching because the place is crumbling. And when you see it, you're like, I mean, it makes sense. This is a country built on blood, built in blood. I saw a tweet the other day that said, everywhere you go likely has the blood of a person who was held hostage in slavery or an indigenous person that was murdered or like your your parking lot, your house, your favorite grocery store, your favorite bar. All of this is resting on the grave sites of people who were unceremoniously and evilly murdered. I can't even wrap my mind around it. This place, it's cursed. The United States is cursed. So anyway, that's what they talked about in Black is King, using that imagery of the drought and Beyonce having to give up her child to talk about what happens to a society that systemically and especially like particularly harms children, particularly. And we're talking the way the the Moses story ties in here is because if y'all remember that whole thing was about the fact that the Pharaoh was pissed because Somebody prophesied that somebody was going to come through and free all the Hebrews. And so he said, all right, chill. We're going to kill the firstborn of all the Hebrew families. Grotesque shit like that. So anyway, I thought that was interesting that they brought that up because I was like, yeah, bet the United States is cursed. We in this, the whole shit falling to pieces. (sighs) Terrible. It's terrible. And then the last theme that I loved that they talk about was the relationship between women and men becoming men, right? Now, when I say becoming men, I don't mean just physically. I don't mean just growing up and getting older. I mean, taking responsibility. I mean, becoming mature, well-adjusted adults. I mean, understanding their emotions, being able to process them, being able to communicate them. I mean becoming a man. That is what I'm talking about. And in Black is King, there were heavy thematic elements that talked about the important role that women play in men becoming men. We see Beyonce at the beginning. She is kind of stepping into the role of the goddess Yemoja, who is the ocean, water, Nigerian Orisha, Yoruba Orisha. She guides Simba. She like baptizes him, blesses him, guides Simba to his family and also guides Simba throughout his journey. We also see Nala, who is like basically 
the centering point for Simba. Like she's holding him down the entire time, even when they lose touch, when he's out running the streets, right? Like she is the one that stays steady and grounded. She's the one that comes back and gets his ass, right? Like when he's, when he's out here with Timon and Pumbaa, she's the one that reminds him, Hey, you're the fucking king. If you could sack up and come back with me, cause your uncle is trying some crazy shit back at home. Like if you could just get your shit together and come with me, then we could fix all of this. She's literally the one that pulls him back from running the streets. So there's even that. And then even when Simba takes on Scar at the end in the big final battle, like he's surrounded by female warriors, not just the lions in the cartoon, but also in Black is King, you see like female warriors like putting on red clay and like standing by him. They talk more about that red clay in Dissect, which I, again, highly recommend you go listen to. But yeah, just this idea of being supported by women, right? And I think that is important because, I mean, the relationships between the genders, and I'm I'm only talking about men and women. I understand that's very reductive. I know that gender is a spectrum. I know that it is fluid. And so please forgive me for using this reductive language. It is just to get this point across. But I think throughout history the relationship with the genders has been so fucked. Like, I mean, I'm going to try not to blame anybody, but I'm just saying, you know, men, for whatever reason, not trusting women, using their strength against women, belittling women for their intuition, their nurturing, belittling just anything that women like. And then women, of course, understandably not trusting men because men historically have been terrible to them and are terrifying to them and are often a threat to them. All of these things like it's like that relationship has been so fraught with strife and discord. When I talk about that relationship, I mean, between men and women. And so I thought it was so beautiful to talk about the necessity that women have in men becoming men. Like, it's like, we need, we need each other. But really what they said in Black is King is also like, men need women. It's important. It's important for y'all. I thought that was beautiful. I think they adequately illustrated that. I just thought the whole thing was so well done. So anyway, this is getting long. We're going to close out now. (laughs) So closing thoughts about Black is King. The shit was fire. Watch it again. If you haven't watched it the first time, I don't know what you're doing. Go watch it now. Listen to Dissect, that podcast that I've been talking about the entire time. Again, I will link it in the show notes. It helped so much in understanding some of the imagery and the symbolism around the message that Beyonce was trying to get across. The other thing I loved about Black is King is that it's easy to dismiss The Lion King as like a children's movie or as like an elementary story with like elementary lessons. I mean, I I don't feel that way because it's my favorite fucking movie. But even more so as I watched Black is King, I was like, this is timeless. All of these lessons about identity, about 
believing in who you are, about remembering who you are, about what happens when you have had your history taken from you, when you have been traumatized in a way, and what that can do to you about choosing who you become, even with these adverse things that have happened in your life. Like all of these things are timeless lessons. And so I am so grateful to Beyonce for putting herself and her work and her vision and her creativity into my favorite movie (laughs) to bring out all of the things that were already in that story. It was just beautifully well done. The analysis of it was well done on dissects read any article you can about it. I know that I didn't even scratch the surface of all of the things that were in. We didn't even talk about the outfits, bitch. We didn't even talk about the outfits in Black is King. All right, like it's it's just a lot. (laughs) It's just a lot. So like I said, like everything Beyonce does, it was sensory overwhelm, but it was the best way. Listen to the podcast. Tell me what you think comment and tell me your thoughts about Black is King. If you're doing anything for the anniversary, which bitch I might, I think I'm gonna just watch it again on July 31st and light a candle or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. Talk to me. Tell me what you're doing. Okay. Well, that is it friends for this week. I love you. Thank you all for listening again. And I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of the Femio podcast. Before you go, don't forget to follow, rate, and leave a review. If you want to stay in touch, find me on Instagram at Femio. To support Femio and the Femio podcast, you can visit paypal.me slash Femio. Talk soon. Talk soon.